Hi there and welcome to the latest edition of the Jersey Night Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is brought to you by Fans for Fans and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 239 uh, of the Jersey Night Podcast. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. Uh, as I say every week guys, it's not just the pod that we have here on Jersey Night. If you get onto the website, uh, you'll find forums there, there's articles, uh, there's a history archive on the website as well, so get yourself onto that if you can. And always, as always, we'll ask you to promote the pod and put the word out there on social media and let people know that we're there. We're approaching 6,000 subscribers, so it'd be good if we could we could finally get over that, that number if possible. Uh, before I bring in my guests, I will have to mention uh, our partners at Forest Precision Engineering. Uh, they're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. They've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many, many years, uh, and we're delighted they're back in the pod. If you want more information on on uh, Forest Precision Engineering, uh, go onto the website at www.forestprecisioning.com. Uh, you can also visit the, vo- uh, the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, which is a stunning new lounge within the main stand at Ibert's uh, Stadium. Uh, for more information uh, on how to book this unique and intimate space, email the club at... Uh, hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, so time to bring him, I guess. So I'll, I'll bring in Ross first. Uh, Ross, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very well indeed. How are you? Looking a bit misty. I know, I have no idea what's going on. Are you in a sauna? Are you sitting in a sauna? Is that, is that <laughs> <what's going on? laughs> it's almost like I'm coming from some kind of third world country via radio link, but I don't know why that is. Hopefully you'll be okay, but I look yeah. So how did your team get on yesterday? Is it Tonebridge Angels? How did they yeah, go well, look, if you think that I think that the Rangers game was dull, we uh, we played out a nil-nil home draw against Braintree Town. That sounds um, marvellous. Which was as industrial and agricultural as it sounds. Yeah, tight game, uh, not one for the purists. Um, and then, as I was watching that... What defences on top, Ross? What defences on top? <laughs> Do you know, it was the manager said before the game, stay tight at the back and stay focused and you had to take your chances. So we stayed tight and we stayed focused and that was fine. But as I was I was watching that game, which is why I didn't get to see Rangers versus St. Johnston live. And so whenever I don't see it live or I know I'm coming on the pod, I'll, I'll watch it back the next day. So I then go on the Jersnet forum and, and social media on Twitter and start seeing people's comments on the game about how <laughs> dull it was. I go, right, so that's my Sunday, is watching back a snooze fest, not even live. So that I can talk about it tonight. So it's been a hell of a day for me. You should have just watched the highlights in sports scene, just purely for the giggle of watching Michael Stewart going through his usual push. But there we go. Uh, and we'll bring in David Fraser. David, how are you? I've not seen you at Pollock recently. I've been, I've been at a couple of games. I was there on Wednesday night. I've, I've, I've been standing at the usual corner, but you've not been there. No, I was at New York Show Wednesday night. How are you doing, guys? Uh, I just, oh, for Pollock. Sure, another uh, the Rangers performance yesterday. Go on. I'm just uh, <laughs> trying to recover myself. Uh, Ross had a hard day yesterday. I think uh, you may well have dodged a bullet, but I think we all had a hard day yesterday. Those of us that were in attendance. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I mean, I, I suppose we have to try and put a positive spin on it, and you know. It was at 10 games, I think me and Eck were talking about it yesterday in the, the post-match show, 10 games, 9 wins, okay, some of it's not been pretty, but we're still winning games. I mean, I mean Ross, I, I, I think that's the point really, and you know, it's another fairly routine win. I mean, there, there are things that we'll need to pick, you know, pick the bones out of in, in terms of the performance and the kind of, kind of the lack of attacking intent, really, is where, where I would be sort of concerned about things. But we, ne- I mean, we never really looked in danger yesterday. You know, I, I don't think, <laughs> and I certainly don't think it was as controversial as a lot of people are making out uh, based based on some of the decisions. You know, we struggled to create uh, for long periods. It, it was a bit of a snooze fest at times, but you know, we never looked in danger. And another fairly routine one. Yeah, um, not the highest entertainment value, but you're right. It was it was comfortable. It was very comfortable. Um, and if you go back three months when we were losing to teams like St Johnston and we're dropping points left, right and centre under on Bronckhorst, all three of us would have snapped your hand off for comfortable, boring 2-0 wins. Um, I think the, uh, the main criticism that can be levelled at the Buell tenure so far is that we're, we're not winning games by enough goals, but we are winning games. And given the, the chaos of the first half of the season that we've had, 
Um, I think winning games is really all we can ask for. Bill, Bill spoke quite openly since he's come in about taking off the shackles and kind of unleashing the team. And I don't think we've seen that yet. I think you're right that it's still not particularly potent in attack. But I suspect that that's more to do with the players that we have. Obviously, we're in a transfer window at the moment, and, and I would hope to see that change. I would have hoped to have seen a change already, to be honest, the, the recruitment situation, but we'll, we'll come to that. But it, it, it does strike me that we possibly don't have the players to play the way that, that Buell wants to play, and that this is a longer-term project to release those shackles. It's not something that he can simply come in and do straight away. I think Todd Cantwell um, showed some relatively bright sparks that he can assist in that way um and his his work and his involvement in the second goal in particular was was fantastic so uh, yeah a little bit dull but actually given where we were two or three months ago i'm, I'm certainly not going to complain <clears throat> david you know looking at the stats here i mean it's it really is as, as convincing as you can get so it's I think it's more about, about the style here rather than the substance, if, if you know what I mean, because we are winning. You know, so possession, Rangers 69%, St. Johnson 31%. You know, we had 20 shots in goal, St. Johnson had four. Uh, 11 of those 20 shots were on target, St. Johnson had one on target. Uh, you know, as, as I was saying earlier on, it was Beale's 10th game. He's won nine, he, he's drawn one, and he was two minutes, three minutes away if he won in that one. You know, if it had just been a bit tighter in that game, we would have won that as well, and, and only been six points behind Celtic at the moment. You know, he's, he's, there's no doubt about it. I don't think there's any doubt that Beal has steadied the ship. It's now about taking us on to that next level, as, as Ross has said there. You know, that kind of a better style of football, I think, because I, 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 I genuinely don't think we can say we've seen that so far. I think there's still a lot of side to side back the way stuff and almost like a lack of confidence. So it feels to me like it, it's he steady the ship. It's now about where do we go from here to take us to take us on a level or two? Oh, I think that's that's your comment. I think what Ross says is is is, uh, is on the money. Like, the manager's did did well. He's come in as used the phrase you've used he steady the ship. No doubt he's done that. But he's, he's trying to get body of stone. I think it's fair to say that. And there's a stillness about Rangers. Um, what I, as you say, I'm you know, just repeating what you guys are saying, but a lot of side-to-side stuff is, is pretty laboured. Um, same kind of patterns. But then that's, you can only expect that because the same personnel are, are carrying out the instructions. So we made a couple of changes yesterday. The, the best player, arguably, in the last few games, he dropped to the bench and passed to Sakala. And... To accommodate, you know, Todd Cantwell, a new signing, who, you know, uh, I think Stuart and I were talking off here, who come on about the last boy kick was, was 11th or 12th of November, so he's obviously rusty. Um, come on, showed flashes, uh, you know, uh, you can see what possibly why they signed him, you know, he looks as if he's, he wants to get involved and uh, he's happy to, to, to take up that right side of midfield position and he likes to drift and pick up space so there was some encouraging signs yesterday um, yet another uh, game for Ben Davis at the back part of I should say um, Connor Golson but to get back to what you're, you're, you're driving at your calling it's, it's going to take a change of personnel for I think Michael Beals um, optimal Rangers to come to the floor and, and obviously we've got to wait until the signings are made so the only thing he can do is to keep plugging away and getting results. Ah, you know, the, the performance and the style of play, you know, that's debatable, but if you put three points on the board, then there's not much we can we can say, you know. It's, ah, it's, it can be a difficult watch at times. It was, it was periods of the, the game yesterday in the second half where it was, it was dull, to say the least. But, again, you know, three points is all that matters. And as Ross Strider mentioned there, it's... it's, it's uh, as recently as a couple of months ago, we were struggling to put, put teams like St. John's away, so we've got to be grateful for small mercies, I guess. Ross, the, the, the side-to-side thing and back, the way you know, David mentioned there that Sakala was dropped yesterday and you know, I was having a wee chat with, with John McCallum and David on the WhatsApp yesterday when the team came out and John was sort of really surprised that Sakala was, was, was benched. And I... I, I I was saying that again. I was saying this in the uh, the, the sort of post match show yesterday. It, it seems to me that 
the only two players in that team that have a sort of a, attacking attempt are, are prepared to try and turn defenders or run at defenders are Sakala and Scott Wright. And that, with the, with the, you know, with the best will on those two players, I mean, Sakala, I, I mean, I love Sakala. Do I think he's a Rangers player that should be starting every week? Probably not. But, you know, you have to love his attitude and his enthusiasm. He just keeps going. Uh, and you know he's 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 been on a, a rich vein of form, and it's the same with you know Scott Wright gets a lot of stick. I think some of it is is undeserved. Uh, we all know he's limited and his limitations and all that kind of thing. But again, I, I, I felt when they two came on yesterday, there was a sort of increase in the sort of attacking intent. You know, those two players, I think, are prepared to run at defenders, try and get in behind, try and turn them. And that's maybe the issue here. You know, when it's two players like that who you would consider fringe players are the only two players that are really doing that. Everyone else, Brian Kent has sort of improved a wee bit recently, but I think everyone else looks a bit laboured, maybe even lacking a bit of confidence. It's, it's, it's as if no one's prepared to take a bit of responsibility and try something. You know, they don't want to be the one that gives away possession. And I think that's telling that the, the two players that do the most sort of create, the most creative stuff are two guys that you would consider squad players. Yeah, and, and perhaps that ties back to what we said a few moments ago about not having the players that Abiel needs to play the system he wants to play. You know, and, and maybe actually, I I know that I want to see more instances of us running it. I, I I'm convinced that Scottish defences are terrified of pacey players running at them. I've always felt that way, and that's why Fashion Sakala and Scott Wright can be so dangerous. Um, but they are just not actually great technical gifted footballers, in my opinion. Again, there's no disrespect to either of them. Both of them have contributed significantly to Rangers over the past couple of seasons. But I agree with you, Colin. They're, they do not possess the quality to be starting for Rangers week in, week out. So maybe that's maybe that's what I'm trying to say is if those two were better players, they would start every week and we would see the the shackles being ripped off as dual legs to put it. Um, and that's what I would have hoped to have seen in this transfer window. You know, we've, we've done the business in terms of Cantwell coming in and, and shoring up the midfield a little bit. But I wanted to see pacey, direct attacking players who are not afraid to run with the ball, get to the byline and take players on. Um, Scott Wright and Fashion Sakala. I think Fashion Sakala, um, is, he's so lovable, he's so liked by the Rangers support, but he's, he's still not a a great player and I think you summed him up really well Scott Wright Scott Wright seems to do best as an impact sub in my mm-hmm. opinion I don't think he's ever really shone brightly as he, when he's started the game um, and perhaps that's because he's coming on against higher defences and it's easier to turn them um, but yeah no, I, I think you're absolutely right the, the starting level and the best players at the moment are not those that are likely to run at players and, and, and turn defenders and I think that's why if you uh, Watching Rangers at the moment feels so slow, feels so ponderous. Um, we, I think, we're all just crying out for a bit of entertainment. But, I mean, the fact that you know we're crying out for a bit of creativity. Where does that leave Matondo in, in this equation? Because he, he's, he's just out out the picture altogether at the moment, and he's a high earner. Yeah, it's uh, it's increasingly looking like a shocking piece of business, isn't it? Um, yeah, we've all seen the table of, of alleged Rangers salaries and he's at the top end of that. I'm sure he probably is one of the highest earners given his pedigree. He was a very, very highly rated youngster um, a few years back. So it, it just looks like a really poor piece of business. He doesn't look up to this standard and I don't know. Uh, it, it looks quite clear to me that the manager, the new manager, doesn't fancy him at all. Um, so maybe that was a Van Bronckhorst signing and it just didn't work out. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised really to see him leave on loan in the next couple of days. Um, and I think that might be best for all parties if that did happen. David, on to the, the controversy uh, from yesterday's game. Uh, three big decisions. Now, I'm, 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 I'm being ironic and calling it controversy, but I, I do think, you know, Willie Collum has not covered himself in glory in a couple of things here. Uh, we'll go through them in sort of chronological order. Uh, so the first one was the penalty. Uh, so James Brown penalised for, for a handball cross into the box I think it came off the back of Connor Goldson and it's 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 hit off uh, Brown on, on, on his arm now at the time I mean my view in the governor year it looked it looked blatant it looked a stone waller you know his hand was away out here and it's it's, it's caught it and blatant having re-watched it 
I, I do I do kind of I sympathise a wee bit for defenders in in these situations because you do think well you know Connor Golson's maybe a half a yard a yard away how can he react okay he's he, he has made himself slightly bigger I'm not convinced he, it was a deliberate handball but under the letter of the law I think it's a penalty. But is the letter of the law what we need to look at here? Because there is a lack of consistency in these decisions. I think it was a penalty yesterday under the rules. But I do think we're seeing inconsistent decisions and I don't think VAR's helping in this. No, no I don't think so. But I, I, like you, obviously I'm you know, in the ballpark of where you sit. Um, I thought it was a penalty in first view live at the game. Having watched it back, uh, when I seen you posting the agenda... I watched the, the SPFL YouTube uh, channel for, for the highlights and I must confess that I thought he was hard done by Billy Collin. I don't think he, he was making his, his silhouette bigger rather than you know, rather the, the interpretation that's applied to the law. Um, I thought uh, it was maybe a bit harsh like you. I mean, what can you do to get out of the way? It looked as though the, 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 the highlight... Um, Footage showed the ball. It looks as if the ball actually came off a corner post and it went his arm. I don't mm-hmm. know if that was necessarily the case, but if the ball just played him directly for the cross, then there's not much you can much you can do to get away the of you know coming into contact with the ball with his arm. So, but having said that, I think it was telling the fact that he didn't complain that much to call the night. No, too many of the St. Johnson players all on the captain. Can't even do the captain's call, but. The follow the arm, but the the armband was he raised his, his arm as if you know what can he what can James have done yeah, there? What could he have done, yeah. So, you know, for that, it's again you've seen them giving, you've seen balls, you know, hit players in the box where maybe the, the, there's a slight movement where it may, may well be natural on you and fans are screaming for penalties. Uh, it's again it's one of the ones you, you've seen them giving sometimes you've seen them not. It's, could, could we possibly go back to uh, the way that the initial law was changed? Where, you know, obviously, the initial law was if the ball plays your hand, it's a penalty kick, no matter what. Then the law was, was, was ameliorated, whereby if it was non deliberate, it couldn't be uh, deemed a penalty. That's the, the kind of where interpretation comes into it. It's a hard one, Colin. Look, if it was given against me, I would have been like that. Look at that there. So it's this one of the ones, but, but but if you're an attacker in the box, you're claiming for that. Of course, yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, but if you're yeah. a defender, you're, you're kind of going like, we can't be there to get my man out of the way. All I would, would say is that on that, the viewing of the, 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 the highlight reel, it didn't appear to me that he made an obvious gesture to make his celebrate bigger to, to block the ball and buy him. It, it almost looked, again, maybe it's my eyesight, I only watched it back once. It looked as if possible the ball played Conor Golson first and then has arm. So for that, there's no way he can get out of the way. If the, the arms didn't be side, if the ball plays him directly to the cross, the arms didn't be side. He's not. I don't know. It's, it's a hard one. If we could talk us to, to the cows come over, I don't think we'd get any clarity on it, to be honest with you. Ross, is, is that the issue interpretation? You know, so that's where the inconsistency comes from. So you'll get similar incidents and different referees interpreting things differently. I think there's lots of issues. Um, no one, no one really seems to know the actual rule itself. So you'll have pundits arguing with each other um, over misinterpretation of what the actual law is because they never bother to look it up. And I think that's where some of the controversy in Scotland comes from. Um, that's not helped by the fact that, I st- as I understand it, VAR is still only really meant to look for clear and obvious errors. So there's real room for interpretation there as to what, con- what constitutes clear and obvious. Um, uh, and then, yeah, but what does the word uh, deliberate mean? Well, you know, so I'm, I'm, we're on camera tonight, so I can do this. It's not just an audio thing. Um, a boy going like that, I mean, has he deliberately put his arm up and then the ball hits it? Well, he didn't deliberately touch the ball, but he did deliberately put his arm in the air. Is that oh, yeah. enough for it to be a deliberate handball? What, what's weight, or what weights do we give to the word deliberate in the modern interpretation? You see a lot of people now saying, let's just, simplify this whole thing and say that any hand-to-ball or ball-to-hand contact in the box is a penalty. And 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 there's pros and cons to that. That certainly simplifies things. Um, but it leads to 
situations that could be deemed as unfair. You know, uh, what was, as, as David says, if you're the defender, what was I supposed to do? I'm not really trying to commit a foul. There's no intent. Um, so it's a really um, difficult one for the IFAB, who, who I guess set the rules of the sport. Um, it's a very, very difficult one for them to iron out in the modern game how to interpret the laws of handball. The problem that I believe we have in Scotland is we have a, um, a media full of pundits who either don't know the rules or deliberately ignore the actual wording of the rules or say, I don't care what the rules say, that should or should not be a penalty to suit whatever narrative they want to peddle that week. Um, and I think that's where a lot of our so-called controversies come from. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, on to the next controversy. Uh, Sonny, uh, Sonny, uh, Nicky, son of Sandy, uh, Ross, uh, and I'm old enough to remember his dad playing for Rangers. I, I was at Ivan when, when his dad played for Rangers. So, sent off for a, for a tackle on Ryan Jack. Uh, I didn't think there was much in it at the time. I have to be honest, I was surprised when the red card came out. Having re-watched it, I can kind of understand where Willie Collum's coming on this. It, it kind of half reminded me of Ryan Jack sending off at Pataudry uh, on he was playing yesterday what's his name striker for St Johnson Stevie May Stevie May right so Ryan Ryan Jacks went in he's won the ball but then his foot goes over the ball and, and catches Stevie May I thought Nicky Clark's left leg it, it doesn't quite make contact but it's a straight leg and it, and it kind of goes through Ryan Jack and then his he's, he's, he's right leg makes the contact. I think Willie Collum seeing that live, I think he thinks that looks a pretty dodgy tackle over the ball, all the rest of it. He didn't see it. It was an odd one because he didn't go to the screen to review it. It came up on the screen, no VAR check. So there was this whole confusion of, well, who's checking it? You know, is, is he being told by VAR? Yeah, you're okay. You know, because you were talking about VAR only gets old when it's a clear and obvious error. So the fact that there was a VAR check suggests that they're thinking it's a clear and obvious error, but they don't ask Willie Collum to go and review it. See, so, I, I interpret that slightly differently. I interpret that as VAR took a look to see if there might be a clear and obvious error, and if they think, oh, there might be a clear and obvious error, we'll send Willie to the monitor to decide if he has made an error. But again, this is where there's no yeah. clarity about what anyone's doing. You know, if, if the two of us can sit there and have different interpretations about what clear and obvious error means, it's yeah, you're never going to win. I, I mean, I, I can understand why he was sent off. I have to say, I don't think it, it's in that sort of. I've seen them given, I've seen them not given sort of thing. I don't. I don't think it's a pretty tackle at all. I think you could argue that he's endangering an opponent, but I could. I would. I would also understand it if Nicky Clark was sitting in that away dressing room, uh, away dressing room yesterday, thinking that was about half. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I remember the the tackle. The red card for Ryan Jack on Steve May. Steve May was playing for Aberdeen at the time, wasn't he? And Ryan Jack was sent off. Yeah. It was it was exactly that. He he won the ball and then his foot kind of rides over the ball and connects with Stevie May and, and it was a red card. And I remember going into work the next day and showing folk on my phone, going, Where the hell was his foot meant to go? He won the ball and his foot that was the momentum that's carried him into the player. You know, where was he meant to go and what was he supposed to do? And I remember at the time I was furious and disgusted that it was a red card. But it was a red card, and I had everyone saying, and you had lots of people online saying, what's well, a red card? He's gone in very high, and he's connected with the player too high with a straight leg, blah, blah, blah. Well, if that was a red card, then then so was the one yesterday. Um, I think that's that's all you can say about it. I think there are two similar challenges. I Do I still think that it should be a red card? I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard to say. Has he, has he lost control? Possibly. Is it... Is it a yellow and a half? Is that expression? Maybe it is, I don't know. But Ryan Jack was dismissed six years ago or whatever it was but for a very similar challenge and we were all told at the time, shut up, that's a red. Mm -hmm. So shut up, it's a red. David, where are you in this? Nicky Clark, unlucky or a deserved red card? Well, like you, uh, I don't think much of it at the time. Um, obviously, I was conscious that it could possibly have been over the top of the ball but when the tackle happened, I, I no longer because the play was, was stopped. I would get up and went into the, the concourse to get something to eat. And then I, by the time I came back, the kind of the bar 
had run its course and, and Austin was, was really just um, cutting his, his, his hands across each other as if to say there's nothing to see here. Having seen it again, uh, it was one of those tackles where you can just show a bit of sympathy, I think, with Benaki Clark and so far as his, his body position, um, he's obviously reaching for the ball. Now, the, the camera angle didn't do, didn't do anyone any favours. I think they obviously, um, the highlight that I've seen anyway, was Jack's obscuring your view of what Clark does. Um, so, but I think to, to pass all that back, he's been over the top of the ball. So, mm. you know, that's, that's, that can be interpreted as endangering an opponent. Yeah. But yeah. Obviously, you're, you're going to come on to discuss Ryan Jack's tackle in the box, mixed. Uh, you know, one uh, motion would tend to inform why the next, you know, wasn't it deemed to be a sender off. I think that's the, the best way to put it. Nicky Clark can consider himself on look. I, I, was, I was amazed that he actually he was sent off. Um, but, you know, having seen it again, if you go over the top of the ball, you're on the risk of incurring the wrath of an official. So it's it's one of the ways, although, you know, having played football ourselves, you look at it and you think, is uh, it a harsh one? But the way the game's going, Colin, you, you, you cannot tackle in that yeah. And And see, see you can't, just to go briefly on, on the Ryan Jack tackle, Ryan Jack against Stevie <laughs> Pitozzi, obviously it was the inside of his foot. No, it wasn't his soles, it wasn't the studs that caught Stevie May in the shin. It was just mm-hmm. inside his, his, his foot, his instep. Um, but he still went over the top of the ball. So it's his momentum. So you can see where the officials are, you know, maybe rightly castigated the fans, but you can, you can see the both sides of the, the coin, I would say. But, you know, Ricky Clark considers himself unlucky. But then again, he could, he could have badly injured uh, Ryan Jack in it. To be fair, when I seen him get there, I thought, good chance Ryan Jack could be for weeks here. You know, that's such yeah. a, he's run a lot with injuries, but, but there you go. On Ryan Jack, you know, he was he was the next uh, moment of controversy, uh, literally 30 seconds, which maybe gives an idea of Ryan Jack's mentality at the time. You know, he was obviously angry at that tackle, which, which maybe gives an insight to, to how he viewed Nicky Clark's tackle. You know, incident on the edge of the, the St. Johnson box, Again, when I, when I sat in the government stand, it was hard to tell. You know, you just seen him going in. I watched it on the train coming home. And the view was from the Broomland. So it was a camera in the Broomland. And watching the direction of the ball, you know, I'm thinking, no, Nick, uh, Brian Jack's got the ball there. He's got the ball and then he's, he's followed through in the player. Having watched that a couple of times again today, though, uh, on, on uh, the, the same side that you were watching, I think he get. I think the St Johnston player gets the ball first, and Ryan Jack gets his ankle. So I, th- I genuinely think Ryan Jack was a wee bit lucky with that one yesterday. But I can understand even with Billy Collin going to look at it uh, on VAR and on the screen. If he's seen that view from behind the goal and follows the direction of the ball, the ball goes the direction that Ryan Jack comes in. It, it looks like Ryan Jack gets the ball first, and I think that's maybe why Billy Collins looked at it. Thought, no, he's got that first, so you know it's only a yellow card. But I've I've watched it two or three times today, and the more I watch it. The more I think he might have got away with one there. I do. I'm a agree with that. It, it looks again. It looked in real time as though he won the ball, uh, and then obviously coming into contact with the St. Johnson player. Um, is it dangerous? Is it out of control? Hi, you could you could you can interpret it interpret it that way. Does he win the ball? Aye, it looks as though he does. Um, is he leading with studs? Undoubtedly, that's how he was booked, presumably. Um, but he's not looking over the top of the ball. That's, that's I think, in, you know, in Molly Collins' favour as to why he never sent Ryan uh, Jack off. I think that's, or I gave a penalty back. I think that's where Molly's coming from. But like you, I've you know, seen a couple of, cl- uh, couple of clips from the, the Brumlo, and, and uh, there's a bad debate about, you know, comes into contact much first, and uh, I think it's you know you can see why people are going like, oh well, he certainly didn't win the ball there. But then, oh, if you look at it, 
for a slightly different angle and it looks as though he plays the ball. So it's, yeah. it's one of those ones where it's kind of, it's 50-50. So you put yourself in the shoes of both Willie Colm on the field and play and I think Nick Walsh was a bar uh, referee yesterday. So you can see why there's, you know, you see that the camera doesn't lie, but obviously in some instances it does. Yeah. Ross, what about yourself? You know, I mean, obviously we've had issues with Willie Colm. I'd, you know, he, he certainly doesn't co- cover himself in glory sometimes, but I, having watched that two or three times today, I, I can understand why he thinks, you know, it's just a yellow for Ryan Jack. He's won the ball, but he's maybe went in with excessive force. Yellow card. I've rewatched that a couple of times and I actually think this is Johnson boy gets the ball first and, and Ryan Jack catches him on the ankle. Yeah, I think, um, I think I would feel aggrieved if that was the other way around. Um, I wonder if also the the height of the contact, you know, he's making contact at a very low level rather than halfway up the shin or towards the knee. I wonder if that plays into the thinking. Um, but at, at a risk of sounding like a broken record, I think it comes back to the clear and obvious thing. Um, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, Willie Collin did go and have a look at this one on the monitor, didn't he? Yeah, and it's the first time. It's the first time that a referee has went and yeah. reviewed it in the morning and and maintained his his, his initial decision. And we've you know we've had VAR in, for, in England for a couple of seasons now, and and we don't see that in England. And that's why I wonder if, with the new implementation of VAR in Scotland, if the SFA and the SPFL are in, in pressuring on on the referees that we only utilise the VAR to overturn the decision if it is a clear and obvious error. When I were discussing something that could have gone either way, um, and and yeah, you've seen reds given, you've seen yellows given. By definition, that's not clear and obvious. And so, again, by by the rules of VAR, probably actually done the right thing. Um, that doesn't help, you know, if you're a Callum Davidson or if you're a St Johnson fan, because I think you do have a right to look at that. I think they got away with one. Um, but you could argue it either way. I don't think as much as a red would be wouldn't be unjustified. A yellow is also not unjustified. Again, maybe it's a yellow and a half. Um, but, uh, of course, the media that we have in Scotland, there'll be a controversy that rumbles on until Wednesday night when we'll have a few minutes. <laughs> well, on, on that, you know, on the controversy, you know, we have to look at the, the role of VAR in the whole scenario at the moment. And, and, and I argued this before we brought VAR in. I, I said that you know, this league wasn't mature enough and one club in particular wasn't mature enough for VAR. Uh, and you would have to say at this present moment in time that is that is how things are, you know, developing because every single, I mean every single week there is some sort of VAR controversy. And how, you know, how people didn't see this coming is beyond me because we saw what happened down the road with VAR in, in the first season or two. And I would still say it's it's not perfect down there. You know, they're still making getting big decisions and, and making an absolute you know rear end of it. Uh, and uh, again, given the nature of the league up here, given the nature of one club in particular who have had a free run at titles over the last ten years, and that sense of entitlement that that, that, that seems to have come with that, are, are we surprised that the? the controversy that is just continually generated uh, by VAR in Scotland. I'm not surprised. and utterly bored already. Yeah, I am pissed off at that. I've got to admit. Two, two or three seasons of, of VAR controversy in England. And it's it's not perfect, but it's kind of dying down a little bit. Uh, it's kind of settled. and Everyone's just accepted it for the status quo. And then we get it in Scotland and we can look forward to two or three years of controversy and argument about it and its implementation up there. So um no I'm not surprised. I think it's such a such an easy thing um to play into some conspiracy theory. Again, it's it's so easy for us to ridicule that conspiracy theory that um Masonic reps and the SFA and VAR are all set out to to benefit Rangers. When you look at the uh, the success that Celtic have had undeniably over the past 10 to 15 seasons. Um, it's a real chore, quite frankly, and it's it's easy to become disenchanted and disengaged from Scottish football when that's the message that our sort of top-tier pundits are putting out. The likes of Chris Sutton, who, rightly or wrongly, is one of the highest-profile pundits in Scottish football. Um, he can't go a week without talking about it, without making some 
snide comment and rumour and innuendo and conjecture about a conspiracy theory is pathetic. Um, Colin, you and I, about three or four years ago, met for a beer in Glasgow. And we I don't know if you remember this, but we spoke about VAR and how it could come in. And I said at that time, what I would like to see is us not do it how the English had done it, but instead do it like how they do it in tennis. The tennis, yeah, I remember that. And I thought that was a good idea. I, I thought that was a really good idea. So the, right. ca- so the captains of each team decide, no, we want that reviewed. We, yeah, yeah. And, we've got, and, they've, we've got, and they've got they've got three goals at it. Three reviews a game, we want to have that looked at. And then you can remove any clear and obvious error. You say, referee, go and have another look at that and make your decision on the basis of what you see on the screens. I think it would just, it would put some of the, um, some of the onus back on the clubs because yeah. there have been, over the last few weeks, um, we've had controversies come out two or three days after a game when people have clearly been poring over videotapes looking for something that, that a referee might have missed. We'll put some of that onus back on the clubs to call it out at the time and, and ask for that. But it also limits the number of times that VAR can actually get involved. Um, yeah. So I just, I, I don't think actually in its current setup it's going to work because it's just too open to people crying foul um, and it's it's just such a chore it really is What about you David are you, are you like me and Ross are you bored with VAR already? I'm bored with one club's um, cheerleaders uh, making everyone's job harder unnecessarily Colin. I think that's the best way to put it from my perspective I, I, I'm like without going on long windedly um, I don't want to see the game be refereed. I think we're all agreed on that. Um, because in that route, then you're, you're materially changing the game uh, significantly, um, even more so than, than Whitbar and the, the idea of it intervening in the game already does. So, but um, <laughs> I think that you. Know, the officials' job is hard enough, doesn't matter what league they're in. Um, I think the game in this country is so... I'm trying to be even-handed here. There's an amateurish element to it. Uh, and, you know, could we possibly uh, see the introduction of professional officials? Would that help matters? Possibly. Is it worthy of, of it being trialled? Possibly. But would they be subject to the same parochialism that we suffer from in this part of the world? Aye. I dare say it probably would. So, is it a case to damned if you do, damned if you don't? Is it just going to something we're going to need to put up with as fans? I'd say, to be perfectly honest with you, Colin, see that in what we've been subjected to uh, as Rangers supporters, regardless of other games going on in within a week as a range of support attending matches in Scotland I don't think VAR's been all that you know it's not been too intrusive uh, has it been intrusive enough some people would be, maybe I'll give a toss and say uh, I, VAR should have intervened there and it didn't blah 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 um, even in Europe I don't think you know I, a lot of people would say uh, Rangers when I go to the Europa League final with the help of VAR blah 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 all that tired stuff but as a range of support, I don't think VAR's really impinged too much in my enjoyment of the matches. And I've not come away well like that. Let's get this VAR, you know, get it so far away from me, it's untrue. Um, but there's no, there's no two ways about it. You know, people like Chris Sutton, they're agitating. And it's obviously at the behest of certain individuals that, that live in the greater Glasgow area. Thornton Hall being, you know, the point in the map. And I'll leave that to the imagination. Um, and it's just, it's it's the gold first ball calling. And yeah. it's no change in my lifetime. or no change in, you know, their sons and, and daughters' lifetimes. It's just the way it is, isn't it? Yeah. Sadly. Sad but true. Uh, Glenn Kamara, uh, David, you know, got the second goal yesterday. Pretty much sealed the points. Yeah, you know, he had a bit of a poor time under Gio, you know. I think there was a wee bit of a dispute there and... You know, it hasn't started a lot of lot of games this season. 
starting to look a wee bit like himself yesterday at times, although it was quite funny. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the master at this. I'd literally just said to my son, like 30 seconds before he scored, it's like Glenn Kamara's not half the player he used to be, is he? Right, and literally 30 seconds later he scored. But there, I mean, there was wee moments yesterday when you know he started to look like himself again, and he did genuinely look like he enjoyed his goal. You know, it looked like it meant a lot to him. Obviously, he's been through a wee bit of a rough time. Uh, so nice to see because I mean he's, he's he's contributed a lot to the club over a few years now. Aye, let's you know, let's take his goal. Uh, good goal, very good move. One of the the rear highlights of yesterday's game. Uh, Cantwell played the ball into Morelos. Morelos played it off. Neat, neat touch and it came out his path and he took it well. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just slightly disagree with you, Colin. I think since. McDeal's became the manager and he's obviously he's brought Glenn in periodically. He's not, he's not started every game under McDeal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can, I think I can see why Giovanni Van Gogh has to be in the fans. Um, don't, get, don't get me wrong, he's a culture player, Glenn Kamara. Um, but there's, there's, there's something lacking in his game. I don't know whether it's is he a confidence player does he need, need the, the arm put on his shoulder and told how good he is? I mean, obviously, cast your mind back when he came in at first. I can remember going up for that. It was with you two guys. And uh, I pulled a bit of fun. I'm saying he looked like a 50 grand player. Um, he obviously proved me wrong there. And, you know, he played very, very, very well and contributed, as you rightly say. But I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, could he possibly be one of the guys to move on to, to get some cash in? And uh, because he's obviously under contract and, and to freshen up the squad. And I, I think he's, he's possibly on for him. He could be one of the prime candidates to, to move to the door. But having said that, I mean, I'm clearly I've egged my face here probably. Uh, Michael's been on record and saying that he, he, he play, he's a type of player that he likes to build the team around. So, aye, I, look, if he's going to be here in the longer term, I'd like to see more from him. I, don't, I think there's a number of players, whether it's coins, whether it's, it's a hangover to the, to the, the Van Bronckhurst era or not, I think I'm going to contribute enough. I think I'm going to hold on in Master Morelis here. I think the, the, the weight that boy's carrying is an utter, utter disgrace. And uh, I think when we, need, we were talking about the, how slow and laboured the play was yesterday, a lot of that's been the Master Morelis. Um, so he's not there though alone. I think that there's more to come to these players and whether it needs. You know, somebody of genuine quality to come, a, a, a standard above these players to come in and lift the whole thing. Uh, that's debatable. You know, is that going to happen under you know, the current regime? I very much doubt. Um, and they kind of, I think the, expect, the expectation of playing solidly every week and, and, and playing at a level every week is, is, is the shirt's heavy again. It's back to the, the same old chestnut that we've talked about at length. Over the five years we've been doing this, the shot was heavy in a lot of And uh, yes, some of them are present at the occasion of managed to, to keep a, a you know a, a run of form together. But over time, a lot is is proving too much trouble. And I think I saw behind Glenn Kamara made the one call. Ross, you know, Anasaji been out for a year, made his return yesterday. Uh, came on in the seventy second minute, booked in the 79th minute, so he's, he's obviously got a wee bit of fire in the belly, had a wee bit of disagree with Wally Colm, a disagreement, sorry. You know, good to see him back. I mean, you forget that he missed out on that, that journey to Seville last year, you know, he wasn't involved in it. And I do wonder that if if there was an option open to us in the final, you know, because I, I, when I look back at the, the, the lack of creativity we had in that team, you know, we didn't have a natural striker and all that kind of thing. An extra creative player like him might, might have been the difference. Uh, so it's, it's it, it does kind of feel like a new signing, you know. We're in the January window, you know. He's someone that could come in and okay, maybe the title's gone, but you know, there's two other cups to play for. And, no, he could be a player that could be vital in that. Absolutely, um, and yet he was one of the most frustrating players I've ever seen at Rangers. Um, huge amounts of natural talent and ability. I don't know that we ever really found the best use for him, the best position, the best role, um, but. Yeah, maybe his absence makes the heart grow fonder and, and um, you do think back to some of his good performances because on his day he was a good player, a really, really good player. Um, think back to even all the way back to the, the, the games against Baraka um, yeah. two or three seasons ago. Um, if we can get that Yanis Hadji 
uh, not just get him back, but get him appearing a bit more regularly because there were a number of times where he just didn't have any impact at all. And, and I remember again, very, very frustrated with him fairly regularly, actually. So I'm, I'm happy to welcome him back because I know what he can do. I know he's a, he's one of our most talented football players. Um, it must have been really difficult for him last season. As you say, he missed out on the run to Seville, um, missed out on the Scottish Cup final. Uh, and yeah, you, you do think, again, if we're looking to be a more creative team, a more attacking team, you think it should play into his hands. So look, if, anything, if anyone can find the role that gets the best out of him, I'm sure it's Michael Beale. Um, he's, as you say, he's like a new signing. He's done quite a few interviews over the past six months in particular about how difficult he's found it being out, how keen he is to get back playing. I think you're absolutely right. That's why he ended up getting booked for descent within five minutes of coming on. Um, he must have had real fire in his belly to, to get going again. Um, and I, I think that will serve him well. So cautiously optimistic, let's say. Happy to have him back, but remember the frustrations he has caused with some substandard performances. Yeah, and Campbell debut yesterday as well, Ross. Oh, not played since November the 12th. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a spectacular debut, but I, I, I think he showed enough uh, encouraging signs to let you think that if, if he can reach his top form, uh, then he'll definitely be an asset for us. Yeah, absolutely. Early days. Um, solid enough debut. Wonderful vision for the uh, the second goal, obviously, uh, playing that, that pass to Kamara via Alfredo. Um, he said in an interview, I think when he joined, I like to think I can see passes that no one else can. And our downfall at times has been unable to unpick stubborn defences. So that, that on the side, on the face of it, it sounds perfect. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see more. Hey, what about you, David Cantwell's uh, debut yesterday? You know, I, I, we'll come on and talk about the January window and, and what else we're, we're sort of looking at to come in and out and all that kind of stuff. But it was good to see, uh, you know, some new blood in the team yesterday. How did you feel it performed? I thought you did okay, Colin. Um, obviously, he's not kicked a ball since the 12th of November, as you say. Uh, I, he looked uh, keen to be involved, keen to make an impression. Uh, he's obviously lacking a bit of match sharpness. You could see he was maybe, you know, maybe labouring a wee bit when the balls he might have got to. Obviously, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was quite glaring. Uh, I look, he's... I'm saying it's Stuart off here. I'll be honest here. There was nothing, you know, outstanding with Argyle. There's something really different there. You know, we can see why we'd sign them. I thought it was very, very similar to what Alec Lowry's looked like when he's, he's come into the side. Maybe, maybe just be a wee bit more. Uh, I think the phrase I used was um, he's more assured than Safari as he's played a lot farmer first team football than, than, than Alec Lowry. But uh, I look, he's, he, he picked up. Pockets of space quite well. Uh, he was, he looked as if he, he was okay with, with going to the right hand side of the middle of the park, or you know, in that forward area, if you like, with the with, you know, well documented that we've maybe struggled in since, uh, since the departure of uh, someone's favourite, or a former favourite player, uh, a certain Daniel Candace, didn't ring a bell. So, I, um, I, Ah, you looked okay, Colin. It's it's, it's just rightly says here. It's early days. We'll, we'll need to wait and see how Todd patches up when the, the series stuff starts in the, the not too distant future. Uh, and, and and obviously we're of a similar generation. Uh, you remember Jock Wallace when he was manager of Rangers. Would, would you think he would make it the the, the Alice band? Let's not go there, Colin. Let's not go there. Well, I can remember Doogie Bell signing for Rangers and being told get the uh, get the tash off. So get rid of the tash. Get rid of the tash. Soon as soon as Mr. Soonest entered the building. Yeah, yeah. Along with you know, Ali Dawson, David McPherson, Cammy Fraser. Yeah. Uh, a few of them, but uh, I, I I did see him with Alice Band on yesterday. I thought Joe Wallace must be spinning in his grave. Uh, right, David. Uh, sort of final thing from the game yesterday, this is something that's been bugging me for a wee while, the, the, the sort of form of John Lundstrom. I mean, when you consider the, the, the performances he put in in the second half of last season, particularly in that run to the Europa League final, 
I would say all this season he has just looked so far off it. And one of the things that's, that I find really frustrating about him now, he's receiving the ball at a time when there's like no danger and either a poor touch or poor decision making or whatever. And all of a sudden, I mean, the the the, the goal that Celtic scored that Ibrox recently is an example of that. You know, he was the first one that sort of put a bit of panic into things. It's, it's went to Morelos, he's put the ball across and then all of a sudden we're behind it. But it started with Lundstrom. And he'd done it two or three times yesterday, getting the ball in plenty of space and then turning into trouble, taking a poor touch, laying it on to someone in the opposition. I, I, I just feel he's either the best on earth, as as we were singing about him you know, a year ago, or hopeless. There, there doesn't seem to be any in-between. No, I mean, he's, he's, he's struggling, Colin. I guess, you know, most people can see that. Uh, but it means came to light here recently, further than the manager's uh, making excuses for him, it remains to be seen. But Michael's said that he's been playing with injections, taking injections. So he's obviously been carrying something. Um, is he, it's a difficult one, Colin. I've been, see, yesterday, just to hark back to, to Todd Campbell, it, it looked to me yesterday like Rangers have kind of reached a ceiling of player level. It looked, it looked like an English championship team on the pitch yesterday. And that might seem totally left field. It might seem unjustified in terms of how I'm trying to encapsulate my, not necessarily criticism, my critique of the Rangers side on the pitch. And John Lundstrom, he, he obviously played Premier League football for Sheffield United, but is he all that clever a player? You know, Ron Evans books as a boy and let go. So you're asking yourself the question, you know, how good is he? Now, I'm not good for a second suggestion that the players that are at big clubs, they get like, they're not good enough and like, let go, can they go and become very, very good players? I'm, I'm not oblivious to that fact. But I, I think given John's form in the latter half of last season, you know, we're expecting that same level. And he's one of the main players. He would appear to be one of the, 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 the kind of leaders in the dressing room. You know, I think, I think it's fair to say that the younger players look up to him. He certainly commands a bit of respect because he's, you know, where he's played and, and, and that sort of stuff. Um, I hark back to the Scottish Cup semi-final when he went through Calvin Bassey for, for no... Uh, I'm not doing any job correctly. Shall we say? So, I think when you... When you when you've seen a player that, that's obviously started in inauspicious circumstances, what he did to cash a ring back the Marvel game, uh, to come at the, the level of performance that he did in the latter half of last season, especially at the, the run to Europa, um, we've came to expect that from And I think he's, it's just one of those cases that he's not that good enough a player when he, when he drops at a level, it's quite glaring. But if he's playing an injury, he's not human. So... Yeah. Let's, hope that he, let's hope that he can really discover a bit of fitness and I think we're all scratching for every single player that's, that, that, that's playing in there scratching for a bit of rhythm and it's you know but we're still getting results you know so that, that's hopefully to get back to it, hopefully John can, can rediscover his form at last season Ross uh, final point uh, for yesterday the, the, the Emerson House opened yesterday the new Emerson House uh, there was the fan zone and all the rest of the shop was open. The museum's obviously still not finished, and a couple of other wee bits of Bob still still to be finished. In typical Rangers Twitter fashion, you know there was a lot of negativity uh, surrounding it yesterday. You know, people moaning five pound a pint, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, so where do you stand in this? Do you see it as a wise investment? You know, something that that helps build the infrastructure of the club. You know, because that is something we need to look about. Uh, and you know, when you, when you consider, you know, the amount of pubs in the area, yeah. I, I don't see anything wrong with Rangers trying to tap into that and, and, and giving something for support, a place for supporters to go before the game. So, do you see it as a wise investment, something that's you know needed, or is it a waste of cash? You know, could this money be better spent uh, bringing in new players and strengthening the squad, etc., etc.? Well, first things first, five pound a pint. I can't see anything wrong with that personally. Um, that, that might be. I mean, it was it was a it was a fiver for a pint of skull, though. That's a different scenario. Right. <laughs> um, my my local up the road here is 
seven twenty for a pint. No, but you're in London, and London's bonkers in it, so it's tough. It you can't compare London and Govins to two different things. A world apart, aren't they? Um, but I think it's. Look, I can see why um, this project has been undertaken. Um, it, it does have co- potential. Well, a lot of commercial potential, I should say. I think what's going to be important is finding ways to maximise that away from match day. So they talk about it being a, a concert venue and for touring bands and artists to come and use. That kind of thing needs to be properly exploited. Now, I know that they've hired a, a general manager for that venue who I believe comes from a kind of live music or a live music venue background. So what the business brains at Rangers Football Company to try and do is separate this enterprise away from the football as much as possible, in, in my humble opinion. It needs to be a diversification of revenue streams and finding ways for that to be a five, six, seven day a week venue, not just once every fortnight when Rangers are playing at Ibrox. Um, if they can do that, that's that's where the real revenue generation comes from. It's from finding ways to tap into a market that is not the three of us. It's not Rangers Football Club fans. It's finding ways to tap into whoever it might be, Taylor Swift fans or Stormzy fans, people who might not otherwise come to Ibrox. Um, ACDC fans? ACDC. <laughs> that's my biggest, my biggest frustration with the whole thing that happened in the last couple of days is that they actually got people thinking that ACDC might be putting on a gig and instead they go and release the ACDC range of merch. Right, right. The, 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 my very, very final point uh, on this week is how many Celtic fans were putting their ACDC vinyl collections on eBay or something? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know I was a Led Zeppelin man. That kind of <laughs> um, yeah, so, look, that's, that's, that, I think... Um, there's real business potential to it, but I think we have to stop seeing it as part of the football club and see it as another business almost that falls under the umbrella of um, of the Rangers family of businesses. That's that's how I would view it. Try and maximise the revenue seven days a week, and that means looking further than Rangers football club fans. Uh, right, guys, on at the January window, obviously... I think it finishes on Tuesday. You know, it closes on Tuesday. It slams shut on Tuesday, as they say. Uh, so, obviously, we've got Cantwell in. A lot of frustration amongst supporters that, you know, not enough business has been done. Michael Beale gave an update yesterday in his, his sort of post-match press conference. Uh, on Nicholas Raskin, uh, you know, he says the player hasn't signed a pre-contract. Uh, and it's now been reported that Napoli are interested in him. So, you know, that one looks like, if, if, the, if there's any truth in that, then it looks like we're facing stuff opposition to get him signed. Morgan Whitaker, no further movement. Bill made a couple of interesting comments. You know, he says uh, there are not only two names we are looking at. I wouldn't be surprised if it's different names, or this is the thing that worries me, or no one at all. Right. So uh, he says I knew that coming into the club that this window was around the corner, but the, the club might have targets that don't fit my idea or plans. And vice versa, the ones that I want might not be available now. Uh, the money is sort of there to be spent, but it has to be spent on the right ones in, term, in terms of the players. So I'll bring the two of in on this. Uh, David, is, is that maybe the issue here in terms of the ends, you know, the, the time of the management change? Has it maybe been the case that Rangers had deals in the fire for, for the January window and deals came in and went, actually, those aren't the players that I'm interested in? Uh, or are the club just holding back at the moment and maybe looking to the, the, the summer window to, to do their business? Well, it could be a case of both, Colin. Um, if Ross Wilson's been trying to work in deals whilst Jude's been the manager and Michael's came in and said, no, I don't fancy him, then well, that's perfect course on it. Um, is that a case of, as you rightly say, the players' are, you know, availability, or players, you know... Um, Possibly going to be signing pre-contracts with a view to coming in the summer. Okay. Could well be the case. Uh, let's say, oh, if you don't mind me taking Morgan Whitaker as an example, I mean, I'm going to contradict myself here, but I said a couple of questions back. Um, first of all, I've never seen the boy play, so I, again, I'm kind of possibly leaving myself home to criticism here. But when you think that a guy that's been let go 
in Probably not. 
in the modern way of football. The manager has less and less and less to do with it. Um, do you blame the board? Possibly. Um, we will never know how much money there really is to spend. The manager's telling us that there's money to spend. Um, what was interesting was that Gio also said similar things, that there was money to spend, but we'll only spend it on the right players. And then he kind of seemed to say, well, we've got a good enough player, so we'll carry on with what we've got. Um, or do you blame the scouting department and the director of football? Ross Wilson's not had an easy couple of months in terms of fan opinion. Um, he's definitely been getting it tight in the neck. So it, what worries me is we're not bringing the bodies in. And it, it does that suggest a disconnect between the manager and the director of football slash scouting department? You know, maybe they are finding players and recommending players that the manager doesn't fancy. And that might suggest a misalignment between those two departments. That might be completely wrong and completely out of line. And maybe it is that the board is just unwilling to put the money up. But I would I would find that hard to believe. I would find it hard to believe um, when the, money, the board found the money for players like Ravi Matondo um, or the salary that we allegedly paid to, to players like John Lundstrom. I do think they have put the money up. Um, where where necessary so i don't know why it's taking this long i don't know what's stalling um but i i do sincerely hope we see at least one or two more in, in the coming days well time will tell uh, we'll find out over the next coming days hey guys we'll call it time there so a big thanks to ross and a big thanks to david for their contributions great stuff from them as always uh, we were live tonight we were live on the sunday night but the pod will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow including acast itunes youtube castbox stitcher spotify all your usual places guys uh, there will be a show out on Tuesday night previewing the Hearts game I think John and Craig are on that night so get onto that in the meantime get yourself onto the Jairs Night web, uh, Jairs Net website and forums at www.jairsnet.co.uk until the next time guys bye for now <laughs>